was where you can laugh then. But I'm excited. We're going to continue on this series. And uh, just the way the Lord kind of directed me this morning is just kind of take a few steps back and before we kind of go forward in this. Because, you know, one of the things, uh, especially in prayer, how many of you pray? Woo, all right, half of us, okay. Uh, but you know what, some of the things that you can get caught up in is, okay, this is, here's a certain styles, or here's, you know, here's a few ABCs in order to pray properly. And I want to kind of take a few steps back so that we kind of create the right attitude before you go into prayer. Because a lot of times you kind of t- pick up a lot of nuggets along the way, and it's all good, and it's, it's wonderful to have. But if we don't even come in with the proper perspective of prayer and how, who God is and who we are in Him and who He is in us, our prayer can be a little bit off sometimes. So I want to come just from that perspective and just kind of talk a little bit about our attitude this morning. We're okay talking about attitude? Yeah. Attitude. What kind of attitude do we have here to begin with? An attitude of gratitude. All right. We're, we're a thankful people. And you know, even as we sang the song, I, I love that song. Uh, I come into your courts with thanksgiving and into your uh, gates with praise. I mean, that's how we enter his presence is with thanksgiving. So I don't know, one of the greatest ways if you want to get into the presence of God is you start being thankful. If you don't want to be in the presence of God, just be whiny, right? If you don't want God to be around you, just whine. That's, that's a good way to do it. I don't know any parents in here that enjoy their kids whining. Anybody enjoy it? Anybody think it's cute? Lord knows. I don't think at all. So, so what we're doing, and as I said, you know, God is not a formula where you kind of do A and B and you get C. You know, we want to keep and have a healthy relationship with the Lord, right? We want to keep our relationship with him fresh. Right? Anybody enjoy fresh fruit? Right? You go to the market, you look for the fresh stuff, right? Because you want what's fresh. The same way even in our marriages or relationships that you may have, you want a have a fresh relationship, meaning you keep in touch, you're, you're connecting, you're communicating with one another. You're working towards one another, right? Anybody enjoy freshness? Anybody have a person sitting next to them that did not shower this morning? See, I see a lot of sniffs going on. Oh, yeah, there's a few hands up in the air. Okay. What do you want to do? You want to take a seat, move over a little bit, and just say, I'm going to just create a fresh bubble around us. Right? Or if you've got piss stick in your purse, then just throw it at them and we'll, we'll continue on. But we're looking for freshness. If I say fresh, fresh. We want to stay fresh in our relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Now, the ultimate satisfaction in life is a life that is lived walking with God. That is the ultimate satisfaction in life, is to live a life that is walking with God. And what I mean by that is, I'm constantly aware of His presence, I'm experiencing His leading, and allowing Him to use my life to fulfill His purpose on this earth. Honestly, is there anything better? Think about it, is there money that could compare to that? Is there a job that could compare to that? Is there even a, a relationship that could compare to this? No, there is nothing better in this life than a life lived with God, walking with Him, communing with Him, experiencing Him, then allowing Him to come into your affairs and change everything, allowing Him to change you, allowing Him to come on the inside and make you more Christ-like. Is there anything better than that? No, because what it is is perfect love that gets on the inside of us and He changes us from the inside out. I don't know about you, but that excites me. I'm passionate. I'm hungry about knowing Him. And that's why when I come to church, I'm not coming just going, oh, I've got to do my ritual. No, I get to come here because I know in this place, I come with an expectation that I'm going to experience Him. You know, I I believe this with all my heart, but God feeds His people at their level of hunger. So wherever you are at, you are experiencing as much of God as you are today based on the hunger that you have for Him. So if you're not satisfied with where you're at with God, get hungry. 
That's the bottom line. That's what we're going to talk a little bit about uh, this morning. I have a, uh, my wife is shaking at me. Oh, what is it, my dear? Well, I wanted to tell you, <laughs> there's a black expedition um, out there with the windows open and there's been people wanting to rummage through it. So if you have a black expedition and you're here and you want to run out there and close the windows, that would be graciously appreciated. <laughs> Anybody with a black, exped black expedition? Okay. All right, here we go. Okay, the greatest invitation. I'd like you to turn to James chapter 4. And let's start here for a sec. But this is the greatest invitation that mankind has ever, ever experienced or received. Everybody say experience. experience. Here it is. This is it. The greatest invitation. Are you ready? ready. Got your hands ready. Got your, got your catcher mitts out. You're ready for something good? Listen, I mean it. If you want something this morning, you can have it. I mean, I'm learning this more and more of God. If I want to experience Him, I come with an expectation. Lord, I'm going to get something. Yes. Do you know, the people that get something for God are those that want it. Yes. Saying, you know what, I'm going to get something regardless of how I feel. You know, experiencing God doesn't mean you have to be more studious. Right? You actually have to start off in faith, meaning I believe I'm going to receive something before I even hear anything. Do you know what I mean by that? That's what faith is, is you believing that you actually have it before you actually get it. Do you know what I mean? So I believe that I'm going to receive wisdom from God this morning. I'm going I'm, I'm to get that. Yeah. But I, I don't, don't know what it is yet. No, but I'm going to receive it. Yeah. So we got to be receivers. Yeah. So this is the greatest invitation. James chapter 4 and verse 8, it says, Come close to God. Everybody say, come close to God. And what's the result? And God what? He will come close to you. I love this is the greatest invitation. Come, come close to God and He will, God will come close to you. This verse shows me four different things. Number one, number one is that there is room for me near Him. Number two, He's waiting on me to take the first step. Why? Because He's already moved. He gave us Jesus. He's already moved. So He's waiting for you and I to respond back to this. Grace has already been provided. Now we're responding back. So when I take a step to God, He takes a step close to me. So He's waiting on me to take the first step. And the moment that I move close to Him, now notice these words, He can take a step close to me. It's not that, okay, fine, okay, I guess I'll come take a step to you. No, this shows me that my dad, my father, is hungry to be close to me. He's passionate about being close. He wants no distance. But what is he waiting for? Me to take an initial step. So, uh, sweetie, can you just stand here for a sec? You don't have a baby. So I'm going to pretend you're God. Usually is in our, in our marriage. Anyway, so. <clears throat> so if she's the Lord, and I'm like, oh, God, I just want to know you. I just, oh, Jesus, I want you. Just saying all these things is nice, but you actually have to put some action to this. So when I take a step close to God, what happens? God takes one giant step for mankind. All right. She's hungry for me. This is, this is normal, all right? Now we got to keep this, keep this cool, okay? See, I just take, I just move an inch, and she's like, boom! Like just keep it PG. There's babies in the room, and you take another step towards God, and what happens? God takes another large step towards you. God is so good. God is so good. Yeah, you take another close to God. This is what He's interested in. You may sit down. Love you, sweetheart. But that's what it's all is. I take, take a step, God takes a step. I take a step, 
he takes a step. It's not we're all waiting for God to do something. No, it's on our part that I take a step towards him. And listen, those that go diligently seek him, he rewards them. Right? What's the reward? It's him. You get him. So, and as I said, this verse is true, but it needs to be acted on. So how do I do this? How do I come close to God? What is my first step? How do I have a thriving relationship with the Lord and even seeing my prayers work? What's the first step? Anybody want to know that question? Or want to know that answer, I guess? Yeah? Okay, four of us. Here we go. Proverbs chapter 1. Turn there with me. This is where it all begins. This is the first step. Everybody say first step. So if we don't get this step right, coming close to God is going to be very difficult for you and I. We need to get first things first. And I'm finding this, that those that really start walking with the Lord and are experiencing Him on a continual basis are those that know how to master the basics. It's pointless to go to Z when you can't get A. It's pointless to go to C when you can't get A. So we got to start at the beginning and don't think, oh, this is too simple. This is where it all begins. Right? We never go past these steps. So step number one is, Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 says this, The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So say it with me, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. Now, I want you to uh, put it in the Message Bible. I want you to see this here, too. It says this, start with God. Everybody say, start with God. Start with God. The first step in learning is bowing down to God. Only fools thumb their noses at such wisdom and learning. So what is the first step to have a thriving relationship with the Lord? Is what? Bowing down. Everybody say, bow down. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, is bowing down. Let's just, let's just start here. This is where it all begins, is I'm bowing down to, bowing down to, bowing down to God. Now I want to just take this phrase, bowing down to God. You know, bowing just simply means it's a bending. I mean, the, the English dictionary says a bending of the head or body in respect and submission. I want to give you just three thoughts regarding this bowing down to God. Number one, it's bowing down to God or respecting or reverencing Him is a choice. So by saying that, Therefore, knowing God and His ways is a choice that you and I actually have. It's not for the select few. It's not for the elite group. It's a choice that you and I make. Every child of God has the potential or the ability, in other words, that we've been talking about, the invitation to know God and His ways. Everybody's got it. You believe me on that? You, you see that? It's a, going back to, I'll just read the scripture again. Start with God. The first step in learning is bowing down to God. The first step in learning is bowing down to God. So the first step in learning, and not, there's nothing wrong with this, but education is not the first step. Oh, i got to get on-the-job tra on training. I need lots of experience. That's not how you learn. The reality of how we truly learn is bowing down to God. Can you see that? Because, oh, if I can just read more books and if I can just study more, then I'll get to know God. Not necessarily. I know a lot of people that read a lot of books and they're more heady than anything else. Yeah. Right? This whole thing about bowing down to God is the first place to have true knowledge. Yes. I say true knowledge. true knowledge. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I want. I want true knowledge. So what's my first step? Okay, I've got to get the next book that comes out. No, I need to bow down. Everybody say bow down. Bow down. All right, we're going to get on our knees in a little bit. Bow down. 
This is where it all begins. So bowing down to God is a choice. Say it with me. It's a choice. It's a choice. i got to cram this in a little bit. It's a choice. If you want to know God, you get to choose. If you want to experience God, guess what? You choose. Isn't that wonderful? That takes it out of, oh, i got to be good enough to get to God. No, He's already given you the option. You can choose and you can have Him. Secondly, bowing down to God. Yes, I can do that naturally. But how I do it naturally, actually, first and foremost, it comes this way. It's a heart attitude and a mindset that I take on. What is my mindset? That God is above me always. We have to get this revelation that God is smarter than me. <laughs> Come on, let's say it. That feels good when you just say it. God is smarter than me. And now that maybe didn't feel so good, so let's say it this way. God is smarter than my spouse. Ah, that felt a little better, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> no, but we have to come to this realization that God is smarter than me. He's smarter than me. I know that sounds so simple, but you can actually see by the people that willingly bow down to God, you see it in numbers. Who bows down to God quickly are those that actually have this idea that God is smarter than me. So this means that my mindsets, my views, my beliefs, my opinions are on the table to be discussed and I'm willing to change my thinking if I'm told. Are you willing to change the way that you think? Are you willing to get rid of that opinion that you've had for so many years? Are you willing to stop being prejudiced? Are you willing to stop having a stereotype? Are you willing to have these different thoughts? And what that all is, is God is smarter than me. So I'm going to come to the table and I'm going to bow down. Yeah. Lord, I, here's my thoughts. This is what I got. I'm presenting them to you. And he may go, yeah, that's of my word. That's, oh, that's not of my word. We've got to get rid of that and put, it, put this in there. Yeah, right. Are you willing to do that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I believe this. It is in my time in prayer this past week, I believe the Lord was impressing on my heart that he's looking for a church to bow down. Yeah. What I mean, it doesn't just mean this building, but as people that we are still willing to bow down to him. Yeah. Right? Thirdly, everyone is bowing down to someone or something. Everybody is. So who or what you bow down to reveals who you're submitted to. It's what you respect and esteem high in your life. So the question is, what or who is speaking into your life? What voice have you made to be the loudest in your life? What is the loudest sounding voice in your life? When a problem comes at you, what is the most... What, what do you go down to? What's the voice that you hear? What's the voice that you run towards? That is what, in fact, what you bow down to. Can you see that? So everybody is bowing down to something. Now, the reason why I say this is because that there is a fight for your bow. The enemy is after your bow. The Lord is after your bow. Everybody wants your bow. <laughs> Come on, say it with me. There's a fight for my bow. So who are you giving your bow to? This is, this is what we got to talk a little bit about this morning. There is a fight for your bow. The enemy wants you to bow even if it's not directly towards him because if he can get you to bow, he has your attention. Now, what you bow, to, bow down to has authority over you. Now, anybody in high school remember that there was peer pressure? Anybody in college maybe? There's a lot of peer pressure. Now, yeah, what? Say what? I didn't... I never experienced any of that. Well, we kind of just think it kind of stops. As soon as I get out of high school, it's okay. In the world, as adults, there is peer pressure still. Anybody seeing that? What? And they're pressuring you, trying to get you to bow or to submit to the way that they do life. This whole world is pressuring you. 
That's the number one thing that it tries to do. It tries to pressure you, trying to mold you. And that's why the Bible, Romans 12 tells us, do not be conformed to this world. But how about be transformed by the renewing of my mind? So meanwhile, this whole world is pressuring, it's squeezing you and I into its mold, trying to make you and I cookie cutters just like everybody else. Because if you think about it, tithing, does it make sense naturally? No, let's be honest. No, it doesn't. But that's how you know, let's listen, tithing even, for example, is a spiritual thing. How could I say that is because I have never ever heard anybody say that they feel tempted to tithe. <laughs> have you ever, have you, think about that for a second. Has anybody ever come up to you and be like, oh man, oh Pastor Joel, I, you, you got to pray for me. I, I have this sudden temptation to tithe. I have yet to have that. So that's how you know it's a spiritual thing. <laughs> right there. But for example, what are we submitting ourselves to? What has our bow? Because again, this world, the system, what it's trying to do is that it may seem right, but in the end it leads to death. So it's trying to mold you. Who are you bowing down to? Because what it's trying to do is trying to threaten you. They'll tell you that everybody's doing it. There's going to be a lot of external pressure to bow. They'll say it's a quicker way to promotion. Everything that the world is trying to do is trying to get you to compromise what you know to be true. Who has your bow? And I love this story. But in Daniel chapter 3, let's turn there for a moment. Or if you didn't bring your Bible, I put one on the screen for you. And I want to just read this whole book to you. And I know you know this story, but there's a lot of powerful truths in this. And it's all about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right? I mean, you can read throughout the Scriptures and you can see how many times that the word bow is even mentioned in the Bible. You see it constantly. The children of Israel bowing before the Lord or they're bowing towards idols. It's all throughout the Bible. And it didn't just stop today, it's continuing today. It may look a little different. So verse 1, it says, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, and magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all of these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted out, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. Now this, I know we're kind of putting this, but picture this. Like all of a sudden, the, all of Canada is gathered around, and we're all watching on the news, and this is the command that's going forth. When you hear the sound of a horn, the flute, it kind of sounds lame in there, the cither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Now, I know we know this story, but let's just pretend you haven't heard it for a while, okay? So, at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bow to the ground and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now, what, like, what's the pressure here to do? to bow because if you don't now just imagine this all of Canada's gathered around and we're all watching this but all of a sudden these we got all these you know Canadian officials standing outside your window and they're watching to see making sure everybody's bowing and if you don't what's happening to you you're getting thrown into the fiery furnace Whew. okay but some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews so you got some tattletales in the house everybody hated those kids in school all right they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king. Oh, teacher. 
You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of all the instruments. Click. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and to not worship the gold statue you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him when they were brought in. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace, and then what god will be able to rescue you from my power? That's a threat. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, what I love about this, this shows and reveals to me that they didn't even think about this. They already had made up their mind beforehand. This is what we're going to do. So that kind of just shows me, well, when trials and troubles and persecutions come, the first thing that's going to come is that, oh, we got to think about, what am I going to do about this situation? Let's make up our mind, I refuse to bow. Everybody's got a cho choking point. Everybody's got a choking point. What is yours? Right? says, O oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve, now I love this, is what? Is able to save us. And then what does he say? He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. So what did they talk about? They talked about God's, he's able, he's willing, and his ability to do so. Right? If we are thrown into the blaze, oh, but even if he doesn't, that doesn't mean if God doesn't, it means even if you, king, don't throw us in, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. In other words, we ain't bowing. Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, that his face became... <laughs> He's a little bit mad. Right? A little bit salty. All right? He's a little ticked off. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind, which is such a weird thing, to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and throw them into a burning furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire of the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw these men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Oh, I love those suddenlies. Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and excitement, or sorry, and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look! <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men. What does he see them now? unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close to the flames as he could, and he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed, nor their clothing was scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Whoo! 
Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than to serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language speak, a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb. There's another command. This is a good one. <laughs> and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. Now notice this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even the higher positions in the province of Babylon. <laughs> so let's just kind of walk through this whole thing a little bit. Here it is. And I remember I've heard this heard this said before, but if you choose to bow, you will eventually burn. If you don't bow, you can't burn. What you compromise to keep, you will eventually lose. Now, if you look through this whole thing, I'm sure that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, <laughs> they're just like us, right? They're, they're, they're mankind just like us. Now, I'm sure that they were believing God for an angel to show up before they went into the furnace. Right? And listen, we're told to believe that. We're told to believe the best, to hope the best. And we should. But sometimes what we've done as believers, as people of faith, is we think that we are no longer going to go into fires because we believe God. Listen, these guys went into the flames. I'm sure that they're just... Whoa, it's going to be hot. Like They're real. They're just like you and I. I'm sure, okay, God, any time would be great. But meanwhile, I believe this guy, God looked at them and knew that with these three men, they were unwilling to bow. And because of that unwillingness, I'm going to change a whole nation. They'll have to go through the fire, but they won't, they're not going to bow before that. Come on, do you see this? What is everybody after? The bow. What is everybody looking for? The bow. Now, these guys refused to bow at certain death approaching them, right in front of them. They refused to bow, and because of their unwillingness to bow, yeah, they went into the flames, but who showed up? Who showed up? God is faithful. He will always show up. Come on now. Who showed up? And I've heard it said the fourth man showed up. Jesus, he appeared to them. There he is, standing in the fire wasn't Jesus at the time. It, looked, it was a name that stood before him. But the angel of the Lord was in the fire with them. And what happened? Untouched. Why? Because they refused to bow to the enemy. And the result of this whole thing, because these men refused to bow, an entire nation was saved. Now, who's unwilling to bow? That's what God is looking for. Well, meanwhile, and listen, we should, again, as I said, we should hope the best, believe the best. Yeah, we don't want to walk through some of this stuff. But even if we do have to walk through some of it, I know this, I will not bow before it. I'm not bowing in it. And I'm surely not going to bow after it. You think when they stood up afterwards and they got delivered from the whole thing, they went, oh man, we wish we would have bowed. No, they walked through this whole thing going, seeing the greatest miracle that ever took place on the face of the planet, walking through fire as if it un untouchable. Not even singed hair, not even the smell of smoke. Their turban stayed on. <laughs> Woo, man, nothing going on. Why? Because they refused to bow. So we have to understand, what, what are we bowing to? What is your breaking point? All of a sudden, money seems kind of tight. Oh, I don't know. I, my paycheck doesn't come yet, and I got, I got this offering here, but I need groceries. The pressure is always on. Listen, but when you pass a test... 
You never have to go through that test again. <laughs> See, have anybody gotten a call from their grade three teacher going, uh, you know what, Joel, you need to come back. There was actually a math test that you did not pass yet. That's probably true, but they haven't phoned me because I passed grade 12. <laughs> right? You never got called back for that. Well, it's the same way. What have you passed on the inside? This pressure that is coming externally on you is bombarding your mind. It's trying to take you out. It's trying to cause you to bow. That's what it's trying to do. It's trying to get you to compromise the truth that you know in the Word of God to be so. Now, as long as we continue to bow down to that pressure, we'll never advance to the next level. What do we do? All of a sudden the pressure is tight. The money problem is on. And oh, what am I going to do? What's the first thing I'm going to do? I'm going to bow down to God. That is the first place of learning. That's where it all begins. So rather than coming down on the pressure and what's happening to me, I'm going to bow down to God and say, God, what do I do about this? And let him speak to me. He knows a way out. I mean, think about it. Does God have a thousand and one ways to make you a millionaire? Think about it for a sec. Like, come on. What's holding anybody back? It's not bowing down to him. It's the only thing that's holding anybody back. Can you see this? Okay. We're happy? Okay. As I said, there is a fight for your bow. So who are you bowing down to? Now, I've known this in my personal life and even just seeing it amongst others that I've worked with. But those who received help from the Lord always find themselves at the feet of Jesus. If you wanted to receive help, and we could, we're going to see a few scriptures in this too. But anybody who ever received help from the Lord found themselves at the feet of Jesus. Now I want you to turn to Mark chapter 5, please, real quick. And we're going to go and look at verse 21. And I want to just read these couple of instances that these three individuals had. And they found themselves at the feet of Jesus. I know this in my personal life and even in my own, with Jamie and I in our marriage, for me personally. Any help that I've ever received from the Lord, I've always found myself on my knees. At the feet of Jesus. Verse 21, it says, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader, now notice who, notice who this is. Like let's, let's really take the time to read through this. A leader of the what? The local synagogue. So what was he? He was a religious leader. Right? And do we know those religious leaders? Did they like Jesus very much? No. no. But this guy, his need was bigger than his pride. So, then a local leader of the synagogue whose name was Jairus arrived. When he saw Jesus... He what? He fell at his feet. Okay, let's say that together. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Now he's got a situation here that we're going to see in verse 23. And he started pleading with him fervently, with him, my little daughter is dying. Now this, this, is, this is life or death situation. This, this is for his family. My little girl is dying. He said, please come and lay your hands on her Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him and all the people followed crowding around him. Now I just love this. We don't see anything that any words of Jesus come out here. But I believe Jesus respond because he saw the man's more interest in Jesus helping than his place as a local leader. Jesus, I said, went with man. Now verse 25. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Ah, 
Listen, this is, these, these, it's people. Yeah. Yeah. This is where people are at. This, this, they're hurting. Yeah. They're struggling. You know, I'll just kind of time out here for a quick sec. I had the most wonderful experience this past week meeting or leading a, a young guy to the Lord. And uh, he came in, actually just kind of randomly came in downstairs. Everybody was, and the staff was eating lunch, so they kind of found their way downstairs and, you know, sitting in the basement. I, I, my office is down there. And he, he came down there and just walked in and said, I need help. And I said, man, that is one of the best things that you can possibly do. Is to say, you're, you're, man, you're bold coming in here. Like, you, to walk into a church building, kind of just whatever. I said, man, you thank you for being courageous, for being so bold in this. And he kind of shared a little bit of his story with me about, I mean, how he grew up and things that was going on. He, he's taking some medication for some anxiety. Again, as we talked a little while ago, anxiety seems to be the biggest thing that this generation is facing. And man, just, you know, having to take all this medication and he's hearing voices and it's just said, I, I can't get peace. I, I don't know where to go. And as I said, I, I grew up in a Catholic kind of background, but I, I don't know God. I don't know Jesus, but I've heard about it, but I don't know him. And I said, man, I said, this is the greatest place to start. And I had the opportunity of leading him to the Lord. And the wonderful thing, hold on a sec, sir, hold on a sec. You, you, no, 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 not right now, not right now. You got to sit. Right then, during that time, all of a sudden I spoke, we shared the Lord with him. And at that moment, he said the prayer, receive the Lord Jesus. Sorry, sir, you're going to have to sit down right now, man. I'm going to have to get you to sit down. We can talk after, okay? Right afterwards, he said the prayer, receive the Lord Jesus as his Lord and Savior. At that moment, you could just see it break off, break, something broke on him. He just broke down into tears. What happened? Love came in and absolutely took over. And this man, what he had done, he actually came down to the place where he finally just said, I'm going to bow. That's where you and I, that's where we all started is we finally just say, Lord, okay, Lord, I'm done. And at that point, when you bow, what happens? He meets you right at that bow. That's where all this beginning of understanding begins. That's where all learning begins is at the bow. And I love it. This guy, he's going to be able to come back here sometime. But he just said, man, I said, can I share your story a little bit? He said, yeah, sure. I said, man, this is one. I, that was a real genuine born again believer that just got brought into the kingdom. Man, there's nothing better than that. Right? I said, your next step now is to be praying with other tongues. That's what's going to help you next. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. And you could just see just joy came all over him. Man, I mean, we, he, he was big and sweaty. It was awesome. He gave it, hugged me. And I'm just like, glory. Yeah, let's just embrace it. Let's just take it all in. But this is where it all begins, is at the feet. Okay, verse 27, back to this woman who had lost everything that she had. No fact, she didn't get better, she got worse. She heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched me? Oh, I love this. But he kept on, oh, sorry, his disciples looked at him and said, look at the crowd pressing all around you. Everybody's touching. But who's the one? And we're going to see in a sec. Oh, can you go back? Verse 31. Look at the crowd pressing around you. How can you say and ask me who touched me? But he kept on looking to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman trembling at the realization of what had just happened, came and what? Fell on her knees in front of him and told him what all that had happened. Where'd she find her help? Jesus, this is where it's at. I found myself at the feet of Jesus. Verse 34, And he said to her daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. 
While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher. But Jesus overheard them and said to them, don't be afraid, have faith. Other translations say, only believe. Now, why did he say that to her? I believe this because he refused to bow at what he saw, but he said, Lord, I'm going to bow down to you. I believe that's why he got that answer. Then Jesus or stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone to go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing, and he went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave, and he took the girl's father and mother and, the three, and his three disciples into the room with the girl where she was laying, Holding her hand, he said to her, which, holding her hand, he said to her, that's gone, which means, little girl, get up. Can you go back there for a moment, please? Let me go, hold on a sec. Sorry, y'all, that's not there. It's a Hebrew word, let me just find it here. Verse 41, holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around, they were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Now, I don't know about you, but where did this all begin? It began with a bow. <laughs> totally overwhelmed and amazed. Anybody want to be totally overwhelmed and amazed by God? Where does it start? The bow. It starts with a bow. The enemy is after your bow. God is after your bow. He's the, in fact, he's, he makes himself available. Satan is trying to push you to bow down to him. God is willing, saying, hey, I'm here. If you bow, I'll, I'll share all my wisdom with you. Right? And the last story I want to read to you is Luke chapter 7. I'm, I know I'm giving you lots of scripture, but it's good for you just to see it. Luke chapter 7 and verse 36. This is another lady that found herself at the feet of Jesus. It says this, One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him, so Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster filled, jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him a story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said, Simon, sorry, he said, turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer, we, sorry, you didn't. Jesus just explained to him, uh, there was a man that owed 500, another man owed 50. He said, they forgave, Jesus, the, the master forgave both of those debts. So who do you think Jesus asked? He said, who do you think would love him more? And Simon said, well, the one who was forgiven the larger debt. Um, there it is, verse 44. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, 
but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. Verse 47, I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. <laughs> so, she has, so she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then the woman said, Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Verse 49 says, then the men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that, the, that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now again, where did this woman find the grace? Where did she find that? At the feet of Jesus. Now listen, I know we're faith people. I know we believe God. That's who we are. And we talk a lot about being raised up together with Christ. And that's all true. But I never want to forget where I came from. And where I still need to be. And where is that? It's at the feet of Jesus. No matter how big of a job you may have, no matter how big of a paycheck you may be getting, never forget where that all started. It started at the feet of Jesus. You have what you have today because of your willingness to bow. And just like our dear brother said, yeah, Jesus never tells anybody to bow down before him. They're not never. The enemy, that's what he tries to do is try to get you to bow. Jesus has not one time asked anybody to bow, but he's willingly opened the invitation saying, this is where it all begins. If you'll bow down before me, I will show you this. Now, we all know this, that at the end days, Philippians chapter 2 tells us that at one day, there's a day coming when every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So I don't know about you, but today, willingly, I am going to bow my knee. Why? Because this is the beginning and the foundation for true knowledge. This is where it all begins. Start with God. This is where it all begins. It starts with Him. Right? If you think you're better than somebody else, when you get to the feet of Jesus, he'll tell you otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> right? I, I want to encourage you, lose your pride in this. Because yeah. there's one thing that will hold you back from going at the feet of Jesus, and it's pride. Yeah. 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 It's this understanding, I got this. I can take care of this. So I want to just take a moment, and if you're, if you're physically able, but I want to just take a moment for us just to willingly kneel before him as just an act and just a response to what we've just heard from the word. Man, I don't know about you, but this is where it all begins. I mean, you don't, you don't have to come up here. I'm just saying, just kind of where you're at. If you want to just kneel in front of you, I, I want to just make this consecration before the Lord because this is where it all begins. I'm going to ask the worship team, if you guys could come up here again for a sec. They're going to just lead us. I want to just read these final words to you. And the Lord just kind of put this on my heart, and He was saying this to me, so I want to say it to you. But He says, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget how we got into the kingdom of God. Don't leave the feet of Jesus and don't allow pride to hold you back. Don't conform to this world and, pull, and let the world pull you away from the place where true knowledge begins. Don't ever get too cool to be at the feet of Jesus. Don't get too self-focused to be at his feet. This is where it all began, at the feet of Jesus. Thank you, Lord.